0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descended like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, "'You are my Son, the Beloved.' With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Besides the irritation of having to wear glasses in the first place, it seems I am perpetually having to clean them. I don't know how they get smudged, but they do on a regular basis. And since i spend a lot of time at the computer or reading a book or having a blurred image of the words is not good. Not a crisis situation, but a pain, needing to clean my glasses all the time. Now seeing things clearly, having clear vision in terms of clear understanding, is a lot more important when it gets to the really big issues in life. If you don't see, if you don't clearly understand what is going on in the world, in the government, in your home, or in your church, your reactions can be very off base. Oftentimes, like smudges on the lenses of my glasses, we get smudges on our perception of people or events. Misunderstandings, half-truths, unhealthy habits can really mess up our grasp of things. For example, I was really outraged a week ago. I was outraged. And why? We couldn't find chicken wings for the Super Bowl. Now, that's very important. We couldn't find them. I was really upset. We finally found them at Whole Foods, so we got through the Super Bowl all right. But how dare Bosch's run out, because every week they're there. That yesterday, they were there, but not when I wanted them there. There are a lot of things to be outrageous over, and that's probably a pretty petty one, but outrage seems to be a very common emotion these days. Anger has become permissible in many situations. People's reactions get very smudged, and rage is sadly found everywhere, from road rage to politics, especially in politics, on every side. But anger is a very deadly thing, the way it gets into our hearts and minds. Now, Frederick Buchner, who is a contemporary and clever Christian author, puts it this way, of the seven deadly sins, anger is probably the most fun to lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor, to at last toothsome morsel, both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back. In in many ways, anger is a feast for a king. The chief drawback is that what you are doing is wolfing down yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. The problem with anger is becoming part of a group that feels the same way, the same outrage, and you all stew in it together. But doing nothing about it is the real problem. If you're outraged and content yourself that being angry about something is justified, that you are right, the other side is all wrong, you blind yourself to facts that are different from yours, but which may be true. The temptation to be angry is a great one. It is an awful one but it's likewise true of the other six of the seven deadly sins. In Lent, we are challenged to face and deal with any of these sins that infect our lives, but the deadly seven are potent. We are to name them and take steps to deal with them. When you see what they are doing to you, and just in case you've forgotten, here they are, the seven deadly sins. Now maybe some of you can't see it in the back, but that's all right, you probably know them already. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. A marvelous list. They're long before Christianity, but certainly been used by the Christian church to define the things that can really hurt us. If unchecked, these become like spiritual smudges blinding your sight to God's presence and choking you from any peace of heart and mind. Now there they are. and I better put them away, else you'll be thinking of stuff you're gonna do after church, so. (laughs) (laughs) He was in the wilderness 40 days, we heard in the gospel today, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. The experience that Jesus had at his baptism was a very personal one for him, The only reason we know it is because he shared it with his closest disciples, and they later written down. It was an experience that opened to him the vision of his ministry, what God wanted him to do. And he saw it was a mission to, to proclaim the intimate closeness of God to every single person, God's nearness, and also God's vision of a world of justice and peace. And this would be accomplished by a group of individuals on a journey together. This vision, which he grasped on a spiritual high, led him to reflect how was he going to do this? And so came Jesus' experience in the desert, the desert being traditionally the place where demons lived. And in that lonely place, he experienced a spiritual low in those temptations of his. Not the seven deadly ones, but there were others that were just as potent Hunger, first of all, hunger for bread, get food when you're starving. And the second, desire for personal safety, protection from danger. And thirdly, the gaining of power, control over the people and authorities of your world. These three things, hunger, safety, and power. What is clear under these three headings, we still find things that haunt us and threaten us and frighten us. And all these three things dirty the lenses of your perception of God. I mean, hunger is a very basic fact of life. And in this country, most of us don't really suffer from this. If you're really hungry, truly hungry, then wonderful thoughts of God vanish or are hard to see at all. Witness the people in Gaza who are starving right now. And how are we going to respond to that? Our mission is not only to be fed ourselves, but to feed others. And this country has many people, this country, not Gaza, that go to bed hungry tonight. To help them see is a job that is up to us in feeding. And we have food programs, Feeding America. We've got ICS, we've got the food baskets. We do the best we can, but we can always do more. The second temptation Safety from harms, your security, that's another issue that can cloud your vision if you're really worried about it. Huge amounts of energy are spent in what you earn or pay or pension or insurance or a place to live, especially a place to live. Anxiety over these can smudge any God talk or God perception, and there are lots of people for whom financial and physical security fog their vision of anything else, a terrible spiritual smudge on the eyeglasses of their life. Or finally power, the sense you have some control over your life, lack of power, lack of the ability to choose your own life lies at the heart of what is going on in the world, the vast storms of unrest which sweep through the uprising in the Middle Eastern countries but for us, often drives us, what drives us is the unbalanced ranting of our politicians. These three things Jesus faced, hunger, security, and power, arose in Jesus' heart and mind as ways he could actually use to gain a following, to get his mission done. Feed people, protect people, give them power. Yes, promise that and you get people to follow. But he saw through these things that they get the upper hand and to make them the cornerstone of his approach to God's people and God's name would lead eventually to collapse and failure because they do when they stand alone and ultimately hide the true vision of God, spiritual smudges. He battled them by reliance on Holy Scripture, God's word in Scripture, by focusing on the power of God in thoughts and realizations rooted in faith. These three deadly things, for us as they were for Jesus, lie at the mood of dis-ease that infects our society, infects many of us, the world society. They have to be faced, these things, dealt with somehow, or they become thick clouds of anxiety, distraction, and sinful obsession. The spiritual smudges will hide the fact that God is with you in spite of them. Each of you, with me, must deal with these and not deny them because they are definitely part of what our life is all about. Obsessive desire about your hunger, your security, and your power, if unchecked, can become deep abiding demons. But by beholding Jesus, one of us, and God with us, you and I have some encouragement that they can be put in their place and not hold the dominant sway they hold on the lives of so many people. One of the aspects of being in Christ, which we mean by being baptized you are in Christ, is to have the spiritual energy to deal with these temptations, not deny them, and give them a place in your heart and mind that don't blind you to God's presence. This is not easy, but it is possible. Not simple, but it's achievable by Christ's Spirit, by God's Spirit in you. Those seven deadly sins are a real problem, for they often sneak in and overtake you suddenly and without warning and can lead you to actions you will regret almost immediately. Coming to mind, an award should be given to a United Airlines gate agent in Denver for being smart and funny and making her a point when confronted by a passenger who actually deserved to fly in the cargo bin and not have a seat. It goes like this. A crowded United flight was canceled. A single agent was rebooking a long line of inconvenience travelers. Suddenly, an angry passenger pushed his way to the desk. He slapped his ticket down on the counter and said, I have to have a, be on this flight, and it has to be first class. The agent replied, I'm sorry, sir. I'd be happy to try to help you but I've got to help these folks first, and I'm sure we'll be able to work something out together. The passenger was unimpressed. He asked in anger very loudly so the passengers behind him could hear, do you have any idea who I am? Without hesitating, the gate agent smiled, grabbed her public address microphone. May I have your attention, please, she began, her voice bellowing through the terminal. We have a passenger here at the gate who does not know who he is. If anyone can help him find his identity, please come to the gate. (laughs) Anger or wrath can really blind you to obvious actions for your own good. Patience, patience is the virtue that can battle and undo anger as you cultivate patience. Needs to be cultivated as well as the six other virtues can sap the deadly sins of their power. Now, I'm not gonna list those for you. You can look them up, the seven, seven cardinal virtues, you have computers, most of you. Look them up and think about them, because they're the things that are going to be antidotes to the seven deadly sins. That's a good Lenten project for you. Battling sin is no easy project, but we set aside a section of every year Lent to get busy with this, and with spiritual smudges removed, see clearly that the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ is always there always ready to help us on our journey to closeness with God.
0: Amen. Amen.